live sports talk show. Let's start out with last week's game. Ned, alarmed or not? <laughs> no, not really. I think the Chiefs knew fully well what they were facing, the fact that it was probably going to end up in Houston's favor, in uh, Tennessee's favor. And the fact is, it did. Uh, the Chiefs played well, and they did come from behind to win, perhaps against a team that may be getting better, but they're not there in Kansas City. They're not in the realm of the Chiefs yet. But the bottom line is this. The Chiefs are playing every game, which includes tonight against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Tennessee does not. But Tennessee next week gets the tougher opponent of the two, I think, when they take on the Buffalo Bills in Nashville. And the Chiefs, assuming they win... Get the Cincinnati Bengals in Kansas City. That's um, both good games, but I really feel like Tennessee will get the stronger of the tests. I uh, spoke to our intrepid Denver reporter, Kevin Beatty, this last week. And Kevin said, by all rights, the Broncos should be 2-0 against the Chiefs this year. They played <laughs> the Chiefs extremely well in both games. And some teams have other teams' numbers. What I mean... I agree with you. The Broncos aren't there yet, but do you think the Broncos just were a bad matchup for the Chiefs? No, I don't think it's so much that. I think it's psychology. Uh, these guys, they're, they're pros, they're grown men, but they read the paper, they read the point spreads, they understand what the strengths of the team in both cases are, and perhaps don't really give their all. Now, they say they do, and and probably... From a tangible standpoint, they're thinking they're giving everything out there. But subconsciously, no, you tend to let down when you're playing a weaker opponent. After all, you had Drew Locke back there at quarterback. He's not a bad ball player, but he's not Patrick Mahomes, nor is he Peyton Manning or anybody like this. So the Chiefs defense did lie down just a little bit. But the bottom line is this. When it came time to win the game, they did win the game. Well, they got, well, I would say lucky. Luck plays a lot into it. I mean, you can you can argue that either way. Luck or, you know, skill. Strong defense. Knock the ball out. Nick Bolton runs it all the way back for a touchdown. What were your take on the game last week, Josh? Well, I think there, there's two factors involved here, in my opinion. I think the playoff scenario played into it because the Broncos don't really have anything to play for, and the Chiefs are trying to possibly still get the first uh, round by. But then at the same time, it's a rivalry because they've been in the same division forever. And so you're going to get the best that the Broncos can offer because they want to knock the Chiefs down off of that seat even if they know that it doesn't really affect them that much, it's a pride thing. So I think that's what you saw with this game. It was sloppy, and uh, neither team was as motivated as they might have been if it had been for a more to be on the line, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But, you know, so I think that's – and then I agree with you. I think the Chiefs got lucky. Let's Let's talk about this for just a second. Do you think at all – the shape of that field had something to do with the game because I, I maybe just guys being a little bit afraid that they were going to tear something or mess something up because the field was in bad shape. Well, I think when Harrison Butcher went on his butt uh, to sort things out, uh, that probably had some effect. But, Joe, that's not a question we can answer because we weren't out there. They did have to change their cleats, or at least some of the players did, so it was a little slippery. But by the same token, does that affect them? Who knows? We're not, we're not there. We can't make that judgment. What do you think, Josh? I think th- it's easy to say that some of them did did kind of back off a little bit because they didn't want to get hurt. You're moving into the playoffs. You know you're going to the playoffs. That's, you know, this game was meaningless in every aspect of it except for the 
possibility, the slim possibility of the Chiefs getting that first round by. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think you could probably say that they, they kind of backed off a little bit, went a little slower, didn't try to push it as much. One of the things that really caught me during the course of the game was they look like the Chiefs defensively at some parts of the game that we saw earlier in the season that they were not stopping the run effectively at all. I think that's probably a pretty good assessment, too. I don't think they are. They haven't done that in the last couple of games. Teams have been able to run the ball on them. Now, how much that continues, I keep in mind now that Chris Jones is back in his old position again, so that really does help to bolster. And you have Melvin Ingram there on the other side, and that obviously helps because he won the game for him last week. But by the same token, though, they are giving up yardage on the ground, and that's probably what you'll see Pittsburgh do tonight. Najee Harris... Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> he'll, he'll be in there, and he's feeling pretty well. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, is going to be back in. He wasn't. He didn't play against the mm-hmm. Chiefs. But by the same token, the last time the Chiefs played them, played the Steelers, which is day after Christmas, uh, uh, Tyreek Hill was not there. Travis Kelsey wasn't there. And still they won 36-10 to Kansas City. So you have to see, hey, hey, this, this Chiefs team is just a better football team. Let's not. Let's let's just stop. Anytime that you start talking about locks and better football team, you kind of start to scare me. I know Mike, the intern's probably at home screaming right now. <laughs> no, that doesn't mean, don't misunderstand, that doesn't mean the Chiefs are not going to go out and give their best. They know what's at stake now. This is the playoffs, and it's a one and done, and it is pro football, and anything can happen. But I will be shocked if uh, Pittsburgh, I won't be shocked if they beat the point spread, which is 12 and a half. I won't be shocked at that, but I will be if Pittsburgh is in the final minutes of the game in the ball game and have a chance to win it. It was a lot to play for last weekend because the Chiefs could have slid all the way to the number four slot, if mm-hmm. I'm correct, with mm-hmm. the loss in that game with a couple of other things happened. I want to get your take, both of you, your take on the end of the Chargers and the Raiders game because there was some consternation on the sidelines with the Raiders because mm-hmm. they held the Chargers' fate in their hands. What what were you thinking when you saw that, Ned? Well, I, I must admit to you, I didn't. Because oh. the uh, the chances of the game ending in a tie were so uh, improbable that and because I'm with Mike the intern at 6 in the morning, I had uh, turned it off and gone to sleep because it just wasn't going to end in a tie. And damned if it didn't. So, you know, <laughs> uh, the... Overtime, and it would have ended in a tie had Las Vegas not kicked that field goal. The interesting thing about that is, again, you have so many opportunities to win. And these are the Chargers and the Raiders are two longtime rivals. Yeah. Anything can happen in the game. And you've got a guy like Justin Herbert back there who can throw all over, and Derek Carr who can throw it all over the place. Hey, these guys, they're, they're top-level top level pro quarterbacks. So the fact that it ended up the way it did, was there chicanery involved? Um, yes. There may have been. <laughs> uh, when one of the players, uh, after the game was over, walked off the field with a Chargers player and said, you know, we were playing for the tie because that would have put the two of us in there. And then the Chargers called timeout. And, and uh, a play follows in which they're able to advance the ball into field goal territory and kick the field goal, which is the right thing to do. You're going for the win. But otherwise, it would have been both those teams in there. Well, that shows you the depth of the AFC West. It just shows you on the, on that particular day, two of the better teams were playing and nearly to a tie. And the worst team in the division 
just about took down the best team in the division. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on the Chargers-Raiders game, Josh? I think I think the Raiders were going to play for a tie until the Chargers called that timeout, and I think that made them mad. And they're like, okay, fine, we'll just win the game then <laughs> and kick you guys out of the playoffs. Part of me, I mean, that's the majority of the way I think about it, but there's still a little part of me that thinks because these guys are such rivals, they're not going to help each other out ever. So if they have an opportunity to knock one of one of one or the other out of the playoffs, they're going to do it. And so that's where I I, I kind of struggle with how I really feel about that game. But it's so crazy that it could have ended in a tie. Who would have been knocked out by that? The Steelers. The Steelers would have been knocked out by that. By, so, by, yeah. by a tie game. Yeah. No, they both would have been in. Well, well no, I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry. The Steelers. Yes. Yeah, the, the Steelers, Steelers would have been, been out. Yeah. If they had the let Raiders that game and be a tie. were both in. And that would have eliminated Pittsburgh. Let's stop and talk about, well, first, let me tell you, you're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. It's your local live sports talk show. If you're wondering why this is such an exceptionally long break, it is because we talk about sports for an hour before (laughs) the Chiefs game begins. And let's talk about the playoffs and the the way things broke down, especially in the AFC. I don't think the NFC, I think the NFC is kind of chalk. Yeah. But But the AFC, the way that broke down, because two teams were in the playoffs that did not play especially well during the course of the season. And one of those were, were the Raiders. And, and I, I think you, even if you were a Chiefs fan and you hate the Raiders, you might have to tip your hat a little bit to that organization for all that they went through this season and were able to get it together enough to make the playoffs, to get the wins, to get in. So I think you have to go, okay, there's, there's guys in that team that aren't bad guys and they just – Got dealt a bad hand this season, but they made their way through it and got into the playoffs. Right, right. I don't think you can deny that fact. What does come to their favor is the fact that there are two extra teams in the playoffs this year. Yeah. And that does help. But uh, the fact is that the Las Vegas Raiders up and down this year, Philadelphia Eagles were up and down. They finally made the playoffs, got walloped today, what, 31-15 to by Tampa Bay. But after all, Tampa Bay is the reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, the one, I'll tell you, the one that surprised me more than anything else was the New England Patriots getting it handed to them by the Buffalo Bills. New England just wasn't in the game. Yeah. It almost looked like the cold weather, and it was very cold up in up in Buffalo, affected the pa- uh, Patriots, and it shouldn't have because they're just as cold. They should know how to do these things in cold weather, but, boy, Buffalo was all over them and played well, I'll tell you. Buffalo and Tennessee next week will be a very good football game. Yeah, excellent football game. I thought the uh, I thought the Patriots didn't play as well down the stretch as they played during the season when they during the latter part of the season, just before the end, that they became the darlings of the NFL. And then that last three or four games, they didn't play so well. Well, I think that's probably right. But then again, in pro football, especially a seventeen game season, pro any pro sport. Teams go through the peaks and valleys, and it does it at different times of the year. It isn't necessarily in the middle of the year or the start of the year. It was with the Chiefs at the start. Uh, it was with the Buffalo Bills in the middle and toward the latter stages of it. But, hey, that, that happens. It happens. But eventually, if you have the talent, that comes to the fore, and that team usually flexes its muscle, and it's a considerable muscle down the stretch. Josh, do you hear beep, beep, beep? Do you hear that? No. Do you know what that is? Was the Steelers backing into the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. Talk about a team backing into the playoffs. Oh, for Pittsburgh sure. Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think uh, I think you see in professional sports 
that momentum is huge coming down the stretch. I mean, you see wildcard teams win the Super Bowl because they're, they have to play hot to get in. In baseball, it happens. In, in all sports, it happens. So I think when you see a team like the Patriots who kind of struggled there towards the end, it should be more telling than what we say. I mean, they were a good team. They had a rookie quarterback, and he played a great season. But I think there's a little bit of attrition, a little bit of tiredness. And then because they weren't playing well going into the playoffs, the momentum wasn't on their side. Josh, you just mentioned the key fatigue right there. For Mac Jones, this is 17 games plus two exhibitions. He's never done that before. Yeah. Don't do that in college. Play for a national championship in college and all that sort of thing. But that isn't any any 19 games as he played in the NFL. I think maybe that had a lot to do with it, with the rookie now. Oh, for sure. As his career progresses, he will know how to pace himself and... Uh, all these kids who are in there for the first time, it, it's its a learning experience in every case. So let me ask both of you this question, and we'll break it down by conference. Who do you think is the hottest team going into the playoffs? And, you know, you've got the benefit of a, a couple of games that have already been played. So who do you choose in the AFC and the NFC, Ned? Kansas City and the AFC because really? they're the best team in the uh, NFL. Even with the loss to the Bengals and a, not a great performance to Denver, you, you're going to write those two games off? I am, yes. It just I think the head. Chiefs okay. are the best team. And in the NFC, I, I'm anxious to see how Green Bay plays in their uh, game. Of course, they had a week off. They are all set now for what's going to be a matchup in Green Bay. They get the home field advantage, which is really an advantage in their case because it's going to be so cold. Let's see, who do they... Who would they play next week? It wouldn't be Tampa Bay, I don't think. It'll be the winner of this game, Dallas and Dallas. Yeah, that's right. They'll Because they'll be the lowest seed. Yeah, and Those teams uh, going up to Green Bay are, fa- according to the advanced, and this is not a weather show, advanced <laughs> weather forecast, uh, it's going to be very, very, very cold up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Josh, your thoughts? Hottest team going into the playoffs, AFC? I think AFC, It's you got to say it's the Bengals. They were the hottest team going in because they played so great to get into the playoffs and, and won some big games at the end of the season. And I think the 49ers are the hottest, game in, or hottest team in the NFC going into the playoffs just because they had to play to get in. They had to win to get in, too. Really? Yeah. No, I, I don't know. You know, honestly, I, I would probably agree with you. On the Bengals, I think they played extremely good against the Chiefs. They look like the Chiefs mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It, the the Chiefs that we've seen over the past couple of years, like they're dazzling big plays. And then they're just going to, their defense is going to do just enough to stop you and out, and the offense is going to outscore you to win the game. So that was impressive. But I'm not sold on Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I'm a guy that swims upstream all the time. So when somebody says he's the best, he's the best, he's the best, then I am always kind of looking the other direction. Sure. And then the, the other side, I hate to say this because if they make it to the Super Bowl, I I probably won't even watch. Tampa Bay. It's, yeah, it's Tampa Bay. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 it's it's methodical the way that they play mm-hmm. football. There's nothing exciting or flashy about Tom Brady. But it just seems like every time you watch them, you you want to sit there and go, okay, I'm going to pause it and I'm going to count because I'm pretty sure they got two extra guys in the yeah. field that he's able to throw the ball to because he always seems to find somebody that's open during the course of the game. I had a friend who posted online, okay, uh, Tom Brady is a robot. 
<laughs> because he's so methodical. And it's the same thing every game, every game, like you said. And that's what they did today. They were just methodical. Yeah, I mean, can you think of anything off the top of your head? Can you think of, when you think of a, a, a truly great athlete, you know, you, you think about Michael Jordan and you think about the time he took the ball from one hand to another hand and he got the layup or uh, the time Derek Jeter went into the stands to make mm-hmm. the catch or even some great catches, Lynn Swan's great catch in the Super Bowl. Can you think of one like trademark hallmark moment for Tom Brady over his career, other than lifting up Lombardi Trophy after Lombardi Trophy. Can't no. uh, I, I can't because I haven't seen all that much of it. Uh, the guy's a, a super quarterback. I don't yeah. care what anybody tells you. Yes, he's methodical, but he's methodical for a reason because that's their game plan, and he carries it out to utter perfection. Mm-hmm. He hits those receivers. He knows where they are. His line gives him just enough time to get them all. He takes some pretty solid hits back there back at quarterback after letting that ball go, and they're legal hits. But the fact is, the guy knows exactly what he's doing. He's very smart. Uh, Who cares if he's flashy? They win the games, and that's the bottom line. That's the important factor is the W in the column. Yeah, he will be the GOAT. When it's uh, when he retires at the age of sixty five, and he rides <laughs> off into the sunset with his AARP card, and on his rascal, and he's won like fifty <laughs> Super Bowl titles, then we'll all be like, "Yeah, now he's gone. Somebody else can win." We're about uh, forty three <laughs> minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pre game show. We'll uh, kind of give you a preview of what's going to happen next for the Chiefs as they take on the Steelers. Seven thirty tonight, right here on one hundred four point seven, the Cave. listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. No wonder there's so many concussions in the NFL. They're always slapping each other in the head. I would think that would be the last thing I want somebody to do. When I walked off the field, just have somebody slap me in the head. We're watching the 49ers and the Cowboys right now, 16-7. Niners, they just got the ball back about five minutes into the third quarter. And we're about, well, I guess two hours away from the start of the Chiefs game. They take on the Pittsburgh Steelers once again. We mentioned earlier that the Steelers backed into the playoffs. We talked about all this stuff a couple of weeks ago. And the Chiefs... It wasn't even like the Steelers were there when they played, I guess, three weeks ago now. And, yeah, it just was like they were... They didn't even show up to the game. And the answer was no, they did not. 36 to 10, and the 10 points came toward the end of the game when the Chiefs had everybody in there. And by that, I'm making reference to their taxi squad members and people like that playing. It was very one-sided, and Pittsburgh just simply didn't play very well at all. I think uh, Roethlisberger, if I remember correctly, threw for just over 100 yards... That's unheard of in today's game. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Roethlisberger has it anymore. He's He's been banged around and beaten up, and he's got some injuries and all that sort of thing. And then he plays this little psychological ploy with the Chiefs by saying that they, we don't have a chance, but we're just going to go out there and have some fun. Hey, don't buy that at all. Come on, <laughs> coming, in to win. coming in to win, but they won't. It'll be a Kansas City victory. You really believe that? About the Chiefs winning? Yeah. Oh, heavens, yes. Of course, they're just a better team. Now, do the, does a better team always win? No, but I, I can't see that. 
I kind of compare it to the Chiefs and the Broncos last week. Uh, it may be closer than what we think, maybe, but in terms of winning it, I, I just can't see any way that Kansas City loses. There just are too many variables involved that favor Kansas City, and the fact that they're the best team in the NFL speaks for itself. Now, that's subjective. I know best team in the NFL. However, they've proven it time and again. This is their, headed for their third straight Super Bowl if they get there. And the fact that they are playing a weak team, this is not the Pittsburgh Steelers of your grandfather's era. They're not the headhunters and the steel curtain and things of this nature. They're not that good, but they can't play. And they do know what's going to happen. I look for a Chiefs victory, but it'll be it'll be a hard hitting contest. Strength of that Chiefs of the Steelers team is they've got some really good receivers, and they they played last time without Juju Schuster, and this week they they have him as part of the lineup. But they've got a couple of really good receivers who, if you just get it up high enough, they're going to catch the ball. But the the fact is that Roethlisberger has to get past the uh, Chiefs pass rush. And that's Chris Jones, who is bigger than Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger is 6'5". Yeah. Jones is 6'7", and about 300 and X pounds. <laughs> and he can he can be a very much a disruptor in the backfield. One of the great things about the Pittsburgh Steelers is their coach, Mike Tomlin. I think he's very well-respected around the NFL, very well-respected person and a human being and a coach other than running off the sidelines to tackle somebody right. at one point. I think that's that's kind of the blemish on his career. Yep. But if you're Mike Tomlin, Ned, what what are you doing this week to be different, to beat the Chiefs? Nothing. There's, no, there's nothing you can do different at this time of the year. You might disguise a few blitzes and things like that, but in terms of your attack, no. Nothing different at all. Just tell those guys, hey, Gentlemen, you know what to say. You know what you can do. You know what we expect you to do. You know what the fans expect you to do. You earn a paycheck for doing this. We could upset the apple cart here and go a long way. You know, you go out there and do your thing. I don't think he does anything differently. What do you think, Josh? I I don't know what he could do differently, honestly. I mean, they that team, like you said, limped into the playoffs. This is, you know, the one X factor here. Because I'll throw in my conspiracy theory parts of this. <laughs> uh, we've been talking; they've been talking all season about how this is uh, Roethlisberger's last hurrah. He's retiring, or he's not going to be a Steeler next year. So, how exciting would it be if they upset the the AFC champions and go deep into the playoffs as a last hurrah for for Ben Roethlisberger? I don't want that to happen. <laughs> I don't think it'll happen, but who knows? If you're a conspiracy theorist, which I know you are a little bit when it comes to the NFL, yes. Is Ben Roethlisberger the type of guy that you do that for? Uh, part say, of me says no at this point, just because of his checkered past, yeah. the things that he has, uh, the things that have happened to him off the field in his past, kind of sour a lot of people on him, myself included. So, um, I don't believe that the NFL would push him through like they do Tom Brady every year. But who knows? <laughs> Ned, what about you? I mean, let's just stop and talk right there about Ben Roethlisberger. Is he the type of guy you cheer for, you root for? In Pittsburgh, they do, yes. Well, I'm talking to you, Ned Reynolds, sportsman. I don't cheer for anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Jalen Hurts is who you should be cheering for. You should have been a politician or a lawyer. You can really really skirt these questions. when When you're a reporter, you have to be totally objective with what goes on. You see the bad, you see the good, you see the spectacular, and then you see the awful. 
and and you have to report on that as such. Uh, Roethlisberger, yeah, his his off the field antics have been somewhat checkered, but by the same token, uh, those who live in glass houses, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he is still um, uh, many many years, sixteen, sixteen, seventeen years. He's been in the NFL now. He's a fine player. He's taken his team to the Super Bowl in the past. Do the players put out for him? Well, I don't know. I don't know what the inner workings are of the Steelers. I would assume they do because he's been around all these years and been, for the most part, a winner. Let's talk about the health of these two teams going into this game. First of all, the Chiefs announced, I think it was yesterday, that Clyde Edwards-Hulaire will not play in today's game. Hmm. And still questionable is the guy that has played, I think, if you were going to maybe choose an MVP, I think he would get some votes, and that's Daryl Williams is questionable at this point. Yeah, he has a toe injury, so I, the questionable means he probably will be in there, but what kind of a running game will the Chiefs have? I, I don't think it really makes any difference because Mahomes is such an outstanding quarterback, and because they will have Hill and they will have Kelsey back in there and running pretty much at full speed. Hey, these guys are awfully, awfully tough to guard. And Mahomes, with his scrambling ability, is just going to present all sorts of problems to any team, any team that they play. So I, I really feel like Kansas City has substantial upper hand in this one. Again, though, I, I would not be surprised if it's a lot closer than what people think. Looking at the Chiefs as far as the other injuries go, uh, Mike Rimmers is on the injured reserve. Lucas Niang out for the season, injured reserve. Uh, Colleen Saunders is out right now, it looks like. But otherwise, the Chiefs are a pretty healthy team mm-hmm. going into the playoffs right now. There, We talked a little bit about all season long, the big story, I think, with the Chiefs is that offensive line and how they were going to do. We saw early in the year there was not a lot of trust in that offensive line from Patrick Mahomes. And then about game six or seven, that's when the trust started to come in. Little scare that we had, I guess, a couple of weeks ago against the Bengals when Orlando Brown Jr. was out and then Lucas Niang went out, but still a healthy group in there and uh, a formidable offensive line. They've played well. They've come on toward the uh, from the second half on. A lot of it has to do with the fact that they were all new. Yeah. And you only have the two exhibition games to really come together, and that, in this case... That's really not enough to form some kind of a cohesive unit. You need games to do that. Well, they began to come together in game six, game seven, somewhere around there. And the individuals began to recognize what their roles were on the offensive line. Ty Humphrey has played very well. Orlando Brown has. These are both Oklahoma University guys. And the whole team, uh, Tui, has, has also played extremely well. It's a good offensive line. Is it a great O-line? Well, that that's a little hard to say. But it certainly has one for them. They're the second seed team in the AFC. And that, that certainly says something at, at that point. You were talking earlier about the Chiefs. Who cares if they can run because Patrick Mahomes is such a great quarterback. We've seen, though, in games where the Chiefs can run, and they do average about five yards per play mm-hmm. when they are running, mm-hmm. that they are an extremely deadly football team because those blockers are out. I will. Uh, the one thing I think I will differ with you a little bit on is that <clears throat> those guys are outstanding run blockers. 
And then when you get those guys running and they know they're going to run every play, they like to hit, and the Chiefs do really well. And you've got a couple of good guys in that backfield. Derek Gore has been impressive this year. And like I said, Darrell Williams has played exceptionally good football at this point in the season. But, Joe, their primary focus on that I know, line. I know, I Don't know. Don't let anybody touch that QB. <laughs> I know, but you ask any offensive lineman what he'd rather do, run block or pass block, it's always going to be run block. Yep. And you see it in games when the Chiefs can take complete control. They'll march down the field without throwing a pass. They can do that, and that's that's scary. I think that has to be scary for any team that watches the Chiefs play this season. Well, I say they're the best team in the in the NFL. Yeah. I, I Well, you know, we've said this in the past, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Josh. The team that's going to beat the Chiefs this year is probably the Chiefs. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with that. I mean, and speaking to what you were talking about, I I think the running game is important for this offense because it opens up those opportunities for Mahomes to do his spectacular stuff and get it to Kelsey and get it to Hill and get it down the field. And so it's a little worrisome that their two top running backs are out, but I think Gore will do fine. And if... I, he because he has done really well this season. I but I think they do need to establish the run. I think that's very important. And like what you were saying, those guys love to hit people. And if they do that enough, then by the third and fourth quarter, those defensive linemen are gassed. <laughs> and the, and you can tell because then you can just run and run and run, and you can have those those touchdown drives that are all running plays because they literally cannot stop anything. And I like that. I like that punishing defense. I like the punishing running game. That's what I loved about the early days of Nick Saban's Alabama was that's what they had. They had guys like uh, Derrick Henry and and uh, Mark Ingram, and they just ran the ball until the defense was so tired. They're like, all right, we give up, <laughs> you know, and that's what the Chiefs are capable of doing. But I think they get a little too cute with their play calling and get away from it. That run pass option is really important to the Chiefs. They run it a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you've got to have the threat of the run in there or otherwise it doesn't work because the teams just, you know, fall back and just cover all the receivers. And that's what the Chiefs need. They need a little running today to win the game. That's my opinion on that. We'll be back in a second. We'll talk about some other sports, other things going on on Ned Talk and 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Dak Prescott just picked off. On the Dallas end of the field, 16-7, 5.58 to go in the third quarter. 49ers over the boys. As the playoffs continue to roll along, two more games to happen after this one. The Chiefs and the Steelers, which you can listen to tonight right here on 104.7 The Cave. The pre-game show starts in about 20 minutes. Kickoff at 7.25 and then first ever playoff game on Monday night. And that will be and the 49ers just scored. They just ran the ball in, so they're wow. going to be up 23-7 to over the Cowboys late in the third quarter. Interesting. Interesting. So far, the games in the playoffs have not been great. Let's just kind of talk about that for 
just a second. The Bengals beat up on the Raiders yesterday. Raiders played, came, tried to come back in that game, but were not able to do so. It was so. a 26-19 score, and, and I thought the Raiders played about as well as they could. Cincinnati's a pretty good football team. The second game just shocked me. that The Patriots did not really put forth a stronger game plan than they did. They got to be, what, 40, 47 to 17 or something like well, that. Well, I think, yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't even that close. Yeah. I mean, it's the worst loss that Bill Belichick has ever suffered in the playoffs, which that made me one, smile. That one did <laughs> surprise me a little bit. This one here, this this game, the Philadelphia game with Tampa Bay, of course not. That's that's not a surprise, although I went with my green and white and new dog on well, they weren't going to play very well. I picked your green and white too, Ned. <laughs> Maybe it was our combination that jinxed them. And this one, I gave the nod to San Francisco, as did a lot of other people. Yep, the me 49ers too. have a nice little football team. And the second game, or the third game, I should say, tonight, uh, d- the Chiefs will win this one. And then tomorrow night's game, I have given the nod to Arizona to go into Los Angeles really? and win that game. Really? What do you mm. think about that? I picked the Rams to win that one just because they they look so good. When they're on, they're yeah. unbeatable. And I'm, I'm still a little concerned with Kyler Murray being 100% healthy for Arizona. He may be, but I don't feel like... They've played very well in the in the towards the end of the season. No, they played really bad. An awful lot of speed and a lot oh of, yeah, a lot of capabilities on offense. Let's talk about uh, the national championship. I know Josh doesn't want to, or else he <laughs> would like me just to turn off the mics and let him talk for nine minutes about no. the national championship. Were you surprised, Ned? That yes, Georgia- I picked Alabama to win the game. Georgia played the better football team on Monday night. Won the game. Georgia was the better football team. They played well. <laughs> the The fact is that Alabama simply got worn down toward the end of the game. They had the lead, had the lead, and were playing okay football. But you might remember <clears throat> that uh, down the stretch they missed, and I really felt like this happened early in the game as opposed to down the stretch. They missed a couple of touchdown opportunities and had to settle for field goals. And that that's not Alabama. They don't do that sort of thing. So what was it, 9-6 to six at one time, Alabama? I think it was 9-6 at halftime, wasn't it? That, that sounds right. And then Georgia Gross. comes back and takes the lead, and Alabama gets, again, a field goal, gets to within one point. But by that time, I think the Tide was really feeling the loss of um, Jamison Williams. That really hurt them. He's a star receiver kid from Cardinal Ritter in St. Louis. He simply could not, well, he hurt his knee is what happened. Mm-hmm. Twisted his knee and blew out his ACL, I think it was, and will have to have surgery if he hasn't already. And uh, that hurt them because here you have Bryce Young, who's a very talented quarterback, throwing two second- and third-team receivers. Now, this is Alabama, and they have quality players there. But these are guys who quite obviously were not accustomed to the routes that Young usually calls on this one. And as a result, I thought you saw the players running completely out of the pass coverage and so forth and so on, and out of the out of the routine that Young had established. So uh, from that standpoint... Uh, were they to play again a third time, everybody being healthy, Alabama might win it again a third time. But by the same token, Georgia was the better team. Josh, our resident Alabama fan, it's rare for me not to see Josh without a Alabama hat on. So your thoughts on the game? Oh, well, of course I was disappointed that they lost. But I, the only thing, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's it's strange to me that the loss of one player had such an effect on Alabama, it but it did. Well, it was two two receivers. They're two best receivers. And Alabama has always been that team that's next man up. And they they play, they, these younger 
players get to play in a lot of games. They get game time situation so that by the time they are the starter by their senior or junior year, they're top notch. But I think those a couple of those receivers got thrown in there a little too soon. And you're right. They weren't running routes well. Alabama just didn't look good in that game. And you can either credit that to Georgia's defense or the fix being in or whatever you want. But uh, <laughs> Alabama did not play well. And, and I agree with Ned. Georgia was better. At the beginning of the season or pretty early on in the season, I said nobody was going to beat Georgia. They were dominating people. They were beating everybody by 30 or 40 points. And so going into the SEC championship, I did not expect Alabama to win. And then they totally destroyed Georgia. So I'm like, okay, cool. They figured it out. And then so I I was kind of shocked that Georgia was favored going into the national championship. Uh, but I guess I shouldn't have been because they won. So whatever. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this, because one of the things that always has bothered me about the Super Bowl is that the halftime is expanded. You know, everything's supposed to be equal and same as it it all is during the regular season. But those guys have to sit for an extra 15, 20, 30 minutes to wait for the halftime show to be over and stuff drawn off the off the, the field. And to me, sometimes Super Bowl, besides the halftime, seems like such a quick game. And I always say I think sometimes you see a team that lets the the game happen to them. But when you watch the college football national championship game, that game is incredibly slow. Oh, yeah. And it's usually close to four hours, if not more, on some occasions. Do you think that has effect on the kids that are playing in these games? Don't know. Do not know. Can't answer the question because I've never really been in that level of competition before. But it, it could. It could. They're changing their pace a little bit. In the Super Bowl, I just can't imagine that would be the case. These are professional athletes and have been through circumstances like this in the past. But the college kids, I think it's more, more than anything else, it is the, uh, the length of the season that uh, has a lot to do with it for the young players in the NFL. Now, for the college kids... Who knows? Alabama just did not have it, as Josh pointed out. They they just did not play very well at all. They're capable of doing that, and I think I, I want to say I want to say that once they got behind, then they folded. But that's that's not the case because they were behind Auburn, what uh, twenty to nothing or something mm-hmm. like that, and came back and beat Auburn. But Auburn's not Georgia. Same token, though, the Alabama team got worn down. They were they were tired down the stretch, and uh, that, I really feel, made a big difference. I will say this. I feel like those long breaks affect the momentum of games, and so there's no way in my mind that it doesn't affect the players because if you're warmed up, ready to go, you're in game mode, you're in the game speed, you play the first half, and then you have a 40-minute break – all that goes away. You've got to get it. You've got to get fired back up again. You've got to get warm back up again. Especially if you're playing like in Green Bay, you know, having a 30 minute break, you're cold. And so I think that does in those big championship games. I think that can have an effect on one team or the other. What was the what the super? Was it the the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl where they had the lights went out and that totally changed the momentum of that Super Bowl? I don't remember which was that one. That one was in New Orleans where that where that happened. Yeah, they I had believe. the delay, the thirty minute delay because the lights went out, and yeah. then the team that was dominating the Super Bowl ended up losing 
because the other t- because it totally shifted the momentum just because they couldn't play for 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about uh, Major League Baseball for just a second, and then we'll get to Tournament of Champions because I want to talk about both those because Ned's our expert on all that stuff. And let's let's talk about Major League Baseball. They um, they some tiny bits of movement this week. Bring us up to date. What's going on? Well, I have to say that I was a little bit. A surprise in a pleasant way that there wasn't quite the bitterness and the acrimony thrown between the two teams. Yes, the players did say that they weren't impressed, quote, impo- in, quote end quote. But they did not say, oh, this is totally unacceptable. No, you guys are clowns and all this sort of thing. The bickering that they usually get into, that didn't happen. So maybe that is a positive sign. And also maybe Ned Reynolds is a Pollyanna and looking at it through rose-colored glasses. (laughs) They will have another meeting coming up this week. I don't know on what day. But in this case, it will be the players who make the new proposal. And I'm sure the owners will say, well, now we need to uh, look this over and... Uh, I don't think this is going to be acceptable. And that's the typical protocol they go through. But maybe maybe the fact that they haven't exchanged barbs and criticism of one another, maybe that's a good sign. We're, we're what, a month out from pitchers and catchers reporting? 16th of February. So we're, oh, wow. a little, we're less than a month out from that. So, so what, are they, what, are, what are the main things on the table for this that they're trying to work out for the lockout. The players, the players want uh, a little bit of extra uh, time with the players to achieve a higher salary. They want that. They want a change in the free agency time that they go into, and the owners aren't willing to do that. The owners want their own plan established. The players also want, they are also looking for a competitive balance among their other teams. And the owners say, well, we can't do that. That's, that's up to a team. Well, the players say, oh, yes, you can, too. So there's that kind of bickering and arguments that's going on. Somehow, someway, I really think <laughs> I really think that they will get the whole thing solved because, as a, fr- a buddy of mine said to me the other day, they may not like each other, and they probably don't. The players and the owners, they have, they're, they're divided. But there is one common factor that they do like. Money. M-O-N-E-Y. And neither one of them will get that. And the owners, I don't think the players figure on this as much, but the owners have to know that when you alienate the public, as they are increasingly going to do if they don't play, you've lost your game. Quickly, tell us about the Tournament of Champions. I thought it was, I was over there last night, and uh, they had... Ten to 11,000 fans in there. place was jammed. I was in there to judge the uh, dunk contest. Then I had another engagement. But the level of basketball was pretty good. Paul VI out of Virginia wins the thing, beats Sierra Canyon for the uh, championship. Really, really good basketball. The athleticism, <laughs> the athleticism of these kids is totally incredible. So it's light years from what they could do when we were kids growing up. The way they can go through all these magic dunks and do all these things and jump over human beings and all that. <laughs> I mean, we never did any of that. Come on. It is, they are remarkable athletes. And the fact that these teams come in here and play on a national scale and the local teams, I will tell you one impression I did get, a positive impression. Our local teams, in this case, Parkview, Nixa Catholic, and to some extent, New Madrid County Central from down the boot heel. We're getting better. We're staying with these teams. There were not any embarrassing blowouts. 
the Springfield teams are playing very, very good basketball, and I think we're going to see a continued marked improvement with what goes on. Did uh, Braun show up at all? No. Hmm, too bad. We'll get you uh, our picks coming up next. Ned Talk and 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Three minutes away from the start of the pregame show, Neb was just telling us Tournament of Champions dunk contest. All those kids from all those Dr. Pepper academies where the kids go to school to learn to be professional athletes. (laughs) The dunk contest, who won it? Kid from Forsyth. And that's not an academy down there as far as I know. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. And how did he do it? By jumping over uh, one of our uh, uh, panelists on the judging panel, I'm not going to tell you who, but uh, you'll read about that, I'm quite sure. Anyway, jumped over him, slammed the ball home, and that was a winner. Yeah, that's amazing. Let's get our picks for tonight's game. Who do you have? What's I, your, have I know you have, the, you have the Chiefs, but what's your score? I'm going to say it's going to be Kansas City 32 and Pittsburgh 19. 32 to 19 is going to be my pick. Josh, your pick. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I think it'll be closer. I think it's going to be 35-30. 35-30? You really think the the Steelers have the cojones to put up that uh, that amount of points Na- on the Chiefs? Tonight? Najee Harris is a good running back. He, he did not look that way, though, against the Chiefs. I mean, he, I, was, true. I was not impressed with him at all when he played against the Chiefs three weeks ago. But it is three weeks. Things yeah. are different. There'll be a different game plan. All right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay the Chiefs out as winning, and I'm going to be close to Ned. I'm going to go 37-15. Chiefs win the game tonight. Get set. Should be a fantastic game. Chiefs and the Steelers right here on 104.7 The Cave. Pre-game show starts in about a minute. Ned, I'll see you when I see you. We will make that determination sometime next week. Yes, and when I will see you, Josh, in the very near future. Yes, sir. Get set for the game. Thanks once again to Brian Tindall, Mike the Intern, Corbin Campbell, and Nick Fury. Chiefs coming up next right here on 104.7 The Cave.